Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang, and we are brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download that mobile app today. Joining me here on the show, a good friend. I love having him on. It's always a good conversation. And today, news happened actually before we recorded. I think last time we jumped uh, on a recording, we had to go back because some news broke right after we recorded. So the news happened before we sat down today, which is good. It's Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Miles, thank you for coming on today. Of course, Heidi. You know, I'm always happy to join you. And yeah, I mean, as many podcasts as we've done from when we worked together and, you know, since, you know, I've been here at PFT, like this is an actual time where the news seems to happen right before we record. And that's very <laughs> good because this, I don't think this has ever happened before. No, it's a first for us. So Baker Mayfield, let's just get this one in here right away. It is a Raiders podcast and we'll get to all of that, but this is huge. Baker Mayfield onto the Panthers. We still don't even know what's happening right now with Deshaun. Watson in Cleveland. Miles, how significant is it now that Baker Mayfield will have this role carved out for him in Carolina? And what does this mean to Cleveland? Yeah, well, I think it's a good deal for both sides, right? I I think the first thing you have to talk about is the fact that Baker Mayfield now gets out of Cleveland, which is a place where he clearly did not want to be. And I've been saying it since March when Baker Mayfield, or excuse me, when the Browns got on the plane to go court Deshaun Watson in March, that's when they basically broke up with Baker Mayfield. And, you know, you could have had a situation where you were like the Colts, right? Where they just said with Jim say, look, we, we know we got to get rid of this guy. Like I'm not dealing with this. I don't care whatever it happens next. It's fine. Whatever. Just get him the hell out of here with Carson Wentz. Right. And they didn't really have a plan until they were able to pick up Matt Ryan. And part of that was, you know, they wanted him to be there for the offseason program because they felt like they missed a lot when you don't have guys that are there and can pick things up and can get that camaraderie established and get the chemistry started to establish, even if it is just against air. So I say all that to say this is an interesting time for a trade of a quarterback, right? Why didn't this happen during the draft? You know, and I think part of it might be that Baker Mayfield has now agreed to let $3.5 million of his salary go. Mike Garofolo of NFL Media reported that. And so the Browns are going to pay, I think, $10.5 million, and then the Panthers are going to pay the rest. And Baker Mayfield agreed to a pay cut, basically so he could get the hell out of Cleveland, which I guess I understand. Right? At this point, you bet on yourself. And then you say, all right, I can go and I can maybe do something better um, and make more money later on in time. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Baker Mayfield can do with Carolina. Can he save Matt Rule's job? Because that's kind of job number one, right? It's not just, well, can he come in? Can he play well? Can he show what he can do? Can he show that he's been humble? Can he save Matt Rule's job? And can he outperform a guy like Sam Darnold who's still on the roster? Yeah. And if you go back and look at just the history that uh, Baker Mayfield's had with Cleveland, it's not been all bad, but you know, he's had his struggles, but he comes into a situation in Carolina where, you know, Christian McCaffrey is getting healthy and that could lead to a lot of big things for them out there as they start to look at what could happen down the road in the season. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I don't really have that much faith in the Panthers right now. I don't know if you do, Heidi. Like, I don't. What's their? Do, I don't know what their over under win total is, but I'd be surprised it's if it's six. somewhere over six. Right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it can't be any more than six. So, like, that's one thing. I, I just the, the thing that makes me like gives me some sort of pause is like, like I said, why didn't they do this earlier? You really should. If you wanted Baker Mayfield to come in and be your starting quarterback and you show some sort of enthusiasm about it, like you should have gotten this done during the draft. Now, he should have been there for the offseason program. He should have been there for minicamp. Now he's just going to be there for training camp, which obviously is important. But like I said, I think getting him in the building, having him learn the offense so that he's not just learning it for the first time with guys on the field during camp. It's hard to do all of that in six weeks, basically, before week one. We'll see how it turns out. And obviously, if you're, he's going to go against the Cleveland Browns in week one, and that's a defense he knows as well as any since he's practiced against it um, for all of his career. So that's one thing. But like I said, I just – if the Panthers really wanted to do this, they should have gotten it done earlier. And, you know, you may be – I don't know, letting uh, the the money go from Baker Mayfield's contract, like that probably had something to do with why this could get done now. But like I said, if you really want a quarterback, it's the most important position in the entire sport, if not all sports, you you should have done this before. $3.5 million? Yes, $3.5 million that he has agreed to let go. So I'll just read the tweet from uh, Mike Garofalo. It says, the Browns will pay Baker Mayfield $10.5 million this season, which means they trimmed over $8 million in cash and salary cap space. The Panthers will pay Mayfield about $5 million, and Mayfield agreed to trim $3.5 million off of his base salary, which was 18 point some million. Right. All right. So to me, that's like saying I lost $10,000, which is still a lot of money. <laughs> ah, it's still, Not it's a ton of money. Salary, let's just say like, I'm yeah, no, it, but it is, it, it's a lot of money. And you know, it, it's one of these things where you're kind of betting on yourself Definitely. so that you can go in there, show what you can do. Um, and then maybe you get more money, anything. I mean, it's so, yeah. And now as I see another tweet is we're basically doing a live show. That's a podcast, right? Charles right. Robinson of Yahoo Sports just uh, tweeted that the conditional ceiling of the fifth round pick, the Panthers dealt to the Browns for Mayfield is a fourth round pick. And that is far better than anything the two sides worked on during the draft, largely because Mayfield is surrendering salary to help make it happen. So, like, I mean, that's sort of, I mean, what I was talking about in the speculation aspect of it, but, you know, like I said, it, you still have to be able to get him in and get him going and we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Okay. So Baker Mayfield, most likely I'm going to say right now, like you said, Sam Darnold's there, but most likely the starter. That's one thing where the Raiders haven't had to worry about it this year, nor Derek Carr has had to worry about it this year is all the talks of who will come in to replace him, who will come in because we need an upgrade. There has been none of that talk leading Derek Carr to be very comfortable in what he's doing, getting his star wide receiver back from his Fresno State days where they spent two full seasons together competing and winning championships. So this is good uh, for the Raiders. And like you were talking about, Miles, something that's always hard for teams to do is to come into training camp and have to learn a new playbook that the Raiders will have to continue to learn the playbook, but have actually had a lot of people report for the voluntary offseason programs. But now we start to look ahead into training camp. 
and there's going to be some whittling down of rosters. When you think about the Raiders overall, Miles, what is the one thing that you're really looking forward to seeing happen in training camp? Well, I think one of the, the biggest thing is just how does Derek Carr interact in that passing game between himself and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and now, of course, Devontae Adams. You know, obviously the chemistry between Adams and Carr is still there, at least from what they've said and what they've talked about. And when you have a guy who is as good as Devontae Adams and he comes in, he's automatically going to make the QB better. Right. I mean, and that's that's just one thing that we all know is going to happen. And so I think when you see somebody like Devontae Adams on the field, you know, fans who get to come to training camp for things like this, you're going to notice immediately that he looks different than the other wideouts that are on the field. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Like that's just the case when you have guys who are that kind of elite talent, like that, it just looks different when they're on the field, whether it's the cuts, whether it's how he comes out of his breaks, whether it's the way he snatches the ball out of the air. When you have an elite wide receiver like that, those are the kinds of things that look really different. So I think that's going to show up immediately when you start talking about training camp practices. We've both been on a Stranger Things kick, and I can't help but think like when you say things like snatching the air out of the a ball out of the air, that like I picture him being like 11 of wide receivers, you know, and just like zoom, the ball comes to him when he wants it, right? Like, yes, that's the yes. power that Devontae Adams has yeah. uh, on the field. Yeah, or he's like using the force. You want to go the Obi-Wan Kenobi route, you know? <laughs> like he's picking much. up the rocks out of the air. And he's gonna, you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's some amazing stuff. I can't wait to see that something that I've been looking forward to. And I want to get your input on it is how the cornerbacks are going to look, what the secondary is really going to do from a depth perspective, because I think we already know that Rock is seen and Trayvon Mullen are most likely going to lock down those one and two spots. But when you start thinking about depth guys like Anthony Averett, who is rated very highly on press coverage with PFF, what do you think about some of the depth that the Raiders might have, how those guys might work out into the fold? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, you bring up Averton specifically, you know, that's something that you have to have when you talk about your secondary is depth. And I think he's one of these young players that can come in and show if he's got a good training camp that he can kind of contribute right away. Because frankly, you're not going to have usually in all likelihood your top corners available for every single game, especially in the, over the course of a 17 game season. So the secondary is like, it's one of those places where obviously your, your top pass rushers, you know, that's where you look at the Raiders defense and you're like, all right, yeah, you got Chandler Jones, you got Max Crosby bookending these guys. Like that's, that's probably going to be the strength of your defense. But once you get to that back end, they've added some guys that can be quality defensive players. And I think with Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator, that also can help maybe make up for some of the shortcomings that may or may not be there when it comes to talent. So much intrigue. I'm really intrigued yeah. by Patrick Graham there. What will happen, what the system will look like, how they're rotating guys in and out. And when I start thinking about the rotational pieces, that's another thing that comes to mind for me is who's going to be somebody that Patrick Graham can really use in these disguised kind of looks that he has, mm -hmm. like we've seen with the Giants, where he'll take a cornerback and have him come up and kind of play more like a linebacker type position or even with the safety. And to that, my mind thinks Jonathan Mabram, but I wanted to yeah. get your take on who you think might be best suited to fit that role in this defense. 
Well, I mean, when you brought that up, that was exactly the name that I was thinking too, is Abram. And I think, you know, even though he has not probably had the career that he envisioned when he came out um, of college, you know, first you go through the injury in the 2019 season and misses practically every single game except for that season opener. And then, you know, you have the last two years and it's been more about controlled aggression for him over the last you know season or so. And I think he's done a better job with that. Obviously did not get the fifth year option picked up. And I don't think that that was any real shock by anybody that his option did not get picked up. But he's one of those players that if you're going to be versatile, right, if you're going to be multiple, and that's exactly what Patrick Graham is going to be, then he can be one of those guys that moves up, moves back, and you start to see different things with him. And maybe if he shows that he can be trusted on the field, and I don't mean that really in a negative connotation, right, like that's what you have to show whenever a new coaching staff comes in. Um, but if he does that, then he can really kind of be another defensive weapon for this team. And when you're talking about guys who need that kind of season, he's one of them right? because yeah. he's playing for his second contract. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I think if Abram is playing to his potential, then he can be a pretty good weapon. Yeah, and that's another thing that I think when you start talking about the guys that none of them have their fifth-year option picked up between Cleve Farrell, Josh Jacobs, or Jonathan Abram, and I start thinking about those three names and who can really make an impact on this team to possibly come back. I Just because of the way the nature is with running backs, I don't mm-hmm. think it would be a Josh Jacobs, but yep. if he does have some kind of like bust-out season where he's 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, would you imagine that they might take a second look at that? I don't think that they would regret not picking up the fifth year option. Um, but I, I, I don't think that that means he's going to be gone completely. But I, I also feel like if a Josh McDaniels offense is going to sign a running back to a second contract, then it's not going to be some sort of long term deal. Right. It's going to be probably an incentive laden one year deal where, you know, maybe seven, eight mil. Right. Like that, because that's just the way that McDaniels has historically used running backs. I mean, this is not like a short track record either, right? We go, we, we've seen this for years and years and years and years <laughs> with the way he coaches that position and the way he utilizes that position. And frankly, I think he makes a good point. I mean, if you look at the way the McDaniels offense runs and like Kyle Shanahan offense runs, right. Where the Shanahan offense, I mean, you or me could probably go in there and pick up, let's call it 25 yards in a game, right? With the Kyle Shanahan offense. Like it's possible, you know, because of the way that he coaches that scheme. Right. Which is why you see, you know, different guys come into that system every single year and they're successful. You look at the Josh McDaniels offense. He's going to have guys for specific roles. He's going to have your bruiser back. That's going to come in there and pound the rock when you need like two yards and a cloud of dust, right? He's going to have the other guy who's going to be able to catch it out of the backfield. He's going to have more of a scat back that, you know, you can run the sweeps and things. So you don't need that every down bell cow back. And, and Heidi, when we were covering the Raiders together in 19, that's what they were saying about Josh Jacobs. He is the every down back. He's a bell cow. He's this, he's that. And people were upset that he didn't win offensive rookie of the year over Kyler Murray. Frankly, I still think it should have been AJ Brown, but that's a different discussion for another day. So I, I say all that to say like, look, I don't see Josh Jacobs having like a bell cow back, future 
with the Raiders as long as Josh McDaniels is there. And I don't necessarily see him having a thousand yards this year because of the way McDaniels uses backs. He might have a thousand yards from scrimmage, but I'd be surprised if he had a thousand yards rushing. Okay. What I want to do here is take a quick break on that note. I want to come back. We started the show talking about quarterbacks. I want to come back and talk more quarterbacks with Miles Simmons here from Pro Football Talk. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Welcome back to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm joined here with Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. He's got national Big guy, big deal here to join me right now. We heard okay. somebody talking on a big platform recently named Brett Favre. Mm. And <laughs> Favre, sorry, I like something about Mary joke. Uh, anyway, Brett Favre <laughs> talked about Derek Carr and what Devontae Adams's production might be with Derek Carr. And I found his words to be, you know, if Raider fans are obviously listening, this is inciting for Raider fans. Um, and I think that. You know, when you start a conversation off by saying no disrespect, but that's usually setting it up for some commentary a that isn't bit, going yeah. to be favorable to the Raiders. So what did you think about what Brett Favre had to say about Devontae Adams's production, basically saying that it's going to go down as he joins the Raiders? Well, uh, frankly, I thought that what Brett Favre said was very similar to what Devontae Adams said in his press conference during minicamp when he was asked about, you know, well, what's it going to be like going from uh, Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr? And, you know, how do you compare the two? Which, frankly, I and I shouldn't, you know, be mean to people in media as I am one of those people. But, like, I don't think that that's a great question, especially for press conference setting. But I thought the way Devontae Adams answered it was very, very thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And what he said was that, you know, I'm still chasing guys like Jerry Rice. You know, I'm not I'm not up there in the all-time greats and Derek Carr's not either and so it's not necessarily that one is that much better than the other or da 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 but Aaron has reached the pinnacle right Aaron's you know back-to-back MVP winner uh, and now you're trying and he's won a Super Bowl and you're trying to compare him to somebody who's still chasing that so that's part of why when you're talking about you know Devontae Adams and will the production go down like yeah probably but also I kind of feel like Aaron Rodgers might have relied a little bit too much on Devontae Adams, mm -hmm. right? In this Josh McDaniels offense, things are going to be spread out a little bit more. At least they should be, right? When you have somebody like a Darren Waller, when you have somebody like a Hunter Renfro, and we know that in the past, you know, that slot receiver that Hunter Renfro is going to play, that's drawn a hundred plus catches in a season. So if that's the case for somebody like a Renfro, then Devontae Adams' production is necessarily going to go down a little bit. And I'm not saying that that's going to make Devontae Adams not an elite player anymore, because he is an elite player. And I think he's going to elevate Derek Carr's play. But I, I don't really think it's some big insult to say, yeah, the production is probably going to go down a little bit when he goes to a different team and it's a different offensive philosophy, it's a different quarterback. It's a different group of guys he's playing with. If things are going right for the Raiders, unless they're scoring 35 a game 
blowing teams out, you know, like they're now the, the greatest show on turf, except they don't, you know what I'm saying? But like, that's <laughs> that if they're doing that kind of stuff yeah. or they're like blowing guys out like the 2007 Patriots, then yeah, Devontae Adams numbers might still be at that level, but I don't really see that happening. And I don't think that that's a horrible thing, but if they're winning games, then Devontae Adams numbers don't need to be that high. Right. I mean, for anyone to be the, 2007 Patriots. I mean, even considering that there's a, a, a second, um, a final game added to the season, 17 games yeah. total, like it's still, those numbers were absolutely insane for anyone to really right. eclipse right, a, a, as a bar. And what Randy Moss did in that offense was just amazing yeah. beyond. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. 50 touchdowns, I believe was the final number, right? 50, yeah. From Brady right yeah, in there. that year. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. as you go in and, and think, like you said, that, it was a lot of reliance upon um, Devonte Adams for Aaron Rodgers for him to be there. I think he targeted him close to 170 times over mm-hmm. the course of the season. And you think to the Raiders now and say, okay, he's going to be double covered. That's going to happen. So as you start to think about the, the share, and I believe somebody actually asked Darren Waller this as well. When you look at how, uh, you know, the timeshare goes with the football, the targets, who's going to be targeted more? Do you worry that your numbers will decrease? And I, I don't think that that's necessarily a concern for anyone like Waller, knowing who he is. Um, but what, what, what do you foresee happening offensively as far as the kind of the uh, target share goes to the different receivers in this offense? That's a good question. I mean, part of that's going to be dictated by defenses too. And I think in the early going of the season, I would expect that defenses are going to roll their coverages more to Devontae Adams. And so the Raiders are going to have to decide how are we going to play off of that? And we'll see how that works out. But I think one of the best things that McDaniels is going to be able to do is increase the production of Darren Waller in the red zone. Mm -hmm. And that's something that the John Gruden, Greg Olson offense did have a little bit of trouble with, you know, getting him the ball in the red zone in, you know, and there's not much space, but I'm just saying, get it to him where he can get it and score touchdowns. You look at the Hunter Henry numbers that he had last year, tied in for the Patriots with that rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, you will understand why that tight end position is so very important when you get down there into the red zone. I think Henry had eight touchdowns last year. You weren't seeing those kinds of things out of Darren Waller in the previous offense. I think that's one of the best things that they're going to be able to do with this new scheme. And frankly, you know, Hunter Renfro is going to be a significant target down there too, based on what he can do from the inside. And you're going to move Devontae Adams around on the inside as well. So all of those guys are going to get theirs. I, I really believe that. But Darren Waller's production is probably going to go up more in the red zone because of the way that he can cause mismatches. I love that insight right there because it's something that I don't think a lot of people have really correlated yet is what Hunter Henry did with Mac Jones. And you put Derek Carr behind that. I think (laughs) Derek Carr is a much better quarterback than Mac Jones and what he's able to be able to do with those game plans and the schemes, I think can really elevate this team's play. And it's funny because PFF just put out an article that talked about quarterback decision-making and who the best and the worst quarterbacks are when it comes to their metric. Uh, There's a lot that goes into their metric, which I don't have time to really read all of those paragraphs. (laughs) Yeah, that's boring. Yeah, but it says the decision model. 
Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, that they're the top two right there. Derek Carr okay. actually falls to below average in decision making from 2019 to 21 with a minimum of 320 dropbacks. So when you start to think about that, though his accuracy has been there, um, completions have probably been there. What do you think when you think about Derek Carr as a decision maker and and what he's done on the field in terms of getting the ball to the right person and when? So who are the quarterbacks that are around him? And you said okay. he falls below average. Right. Um, well, let's see, it has Trevor Lawrence, Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> Kirk Whoa. Cousins and Philip Rivers. Interesting. The, the two above him are Trevor Lawrence and Teddy Bridgewater. The two below him are Kirk Cousins, Philip Rivers, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan goes on and on from there. Mitch Trubisky. Matt Ryan. Yeah. Wow. I would not expect Matt Ryan to be below Derek Carr there. I mean, look, whenever you're talking about metrics and things, especially from pro football focus, you can kind of make them say whatever you want. But I, look, I, I think Derek Carr sometimes makes bad decisions like many quarterbacks. I mean, I, I think back to, and this is a going years back now, but it's 2019 in Kansas city and the Raven, Raiders, Ravens, Raiders, whatever team that we used to cover, Heidi, and you still cover today. The Raiders were playing the chiefs, right? And uh, Derek Carr threw a pass over the middle. It was to Darren Waller. And Tyron Matthew picked it off. And it was like one of the easiest interceptions that Matthew's probably ever had in his life because he figured out what was coming. And what Derek Carr said after that game was, you know, that's a play that we've run a thousand times. I throwed over to Waller and like we, we run that, we can run that play in our sleep. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's why Tyron Matthew knew it was coming. And Tyron Matthew talked about, yeah, that was just film study. That's why I understood it. I knew it was coming. I saw it and I figured about what they were doing and that's why I caught it. And so like, what does that have to do with decision-making? Well, part of it is they knew what was coming because you've made that decision a million times before. So it's not just about like, can you make the right read, you know, based on what the defense sees it's, can you vary what you're doing enough so that you keep defenses on their toes? And that's something that I think Josh McDaniels is going to be able to coach up Derek Carr into. Like Derek Carr is a good enough quarterback that he's been with the same team for eight seasons. He's now going into his ninth season, right? That's not nothing. Okay. I realize that he doesn't have a playoff win. I realize he's only really taken the Raiders to the playoffs twice, only played in one game. Cause of course he had the you know broken leg before, but he's there. He's been there for a reason. Right. And it's going to be, can he continue to make the decisions that will lead the Raiders to win games? You know, I think he did that a lot last year. I think he was put in a pretty bad position when it comes to leadership based on all the things that happened in the 2021 Raiders season, you know, but he was able to get things done when they needed him to, for the most part. Um, so I don't know how like good or bad his decision making really, really is. I mean, especially when you're talking about a guy like Matt Ryan and he's not good at decision making. Apparently I Kirk cousins being worse than Derek Carr doesn't surprise me, but Matt Ryan kind of does. I don't know. So we'll see, but I, I don't think that Derek Carr is that bad. I, I really don't. Where do you rank him? And like, if you just say, you know, out of 32 quarterbacks, whereabouts would you have Derek Carr? Somewhere in the 10 to 15 range, yeah. probably. I think that that's fair. And I, I think that 
we're not going to necessarily feel the same way about their car in October, let alone the end of the season as we do today, right? right? We're going to see what he can do with a different offense. We're going to see what he can do with an elite wide receiver again. I mean, he had one in Amari Cooper, but you know, now I think we're really going to be able to see something here and, and they've got other weapons too, right? It's not just him. It's, it's Renfro, it's Waller. And we're going to have to see what that offensive line ends up looking like, because that'll obviously have a lot to do with his performance too. But I think that there's a chance that we could be thinking about Derek Carr as a top seven, top eight quarterback, as opposed to like top 10 to 15. If that makes any sense. It does. It does make a lot of sense. Of course, things will play out throughout the season. This has been a bit of a training camp primer, more of a discussion on what we can foresee for the 2022 season with I guess a little bit of Carolina, a little bit of Cleveland, a little yeah. bit of the Raiders here. <laughs> hey, look, NFL news is slow on uh, July 6th as yeah. we record this, right? Yeah. So it's nice to get a little breaking news. We can be a little topical. I was excited about it, to be honest. It's like, oh, something happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, they said uh, the Deshaun Watson, you know, ruling would take uh, quite a bit of time as they yeah. go through all of that and make a, a big decision for what will happen with his career. But uh, I appreciate you joining me here and getting to talk some Baker Mayfield and a little bit of Carolina Panthers, as well as some Cleveland Browns, as well as some Raiders, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heidi. Anytime. Hey, really quick though, do you want to throw out any uh, social media handles, things that you're working on, uh, things like that? Sure. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. Right now, we're not talking much football. I think the last <laughs> thing I tweeted was about salmon because I cooked some salmon last night and I'm salmon a little proud of it. Salmon. I remember uh, that well, from Hard yeah. Knocks with the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like to give uh, letters their due, but you know, it really is salmon. Yes. Yeah. So regardless, follow me on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. And of course, catch all of our content and keep up with the league at profootballtalk.com. Miles, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me. And that'll do it for today's show. Thank you, everyone, as always, for listening. Check out all the work we do on VegasNation.com to keep up with all things Raiders. I'll be back next week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.